The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Listen. Question. Why do we talk out loud when we know we're alone? Conjecture. Because we know we're not. Evolution perfects survival skills. There are perfect hunters. There is perfect defense. Question, why is there no such thing as perfect hiding? Answer, how would you know? Logically, if evolution were to perfect a creature whose primary skill were to hide from view, how could you know it existed? It could be with us every second and we would never know. How would you detect it? Even sense it. Except in those moments when for no clear reason you choose to speak aloud. What would such a creature want? What would it do? Well, what would you do? Live from the last planet, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who, Pachak, episode 310, 310. This is Louis Trapani, and uh, joining me briefly, shortly, arriving soon, to be announced, um, will be here shortly, I think I already said that, did I make that clear, will be Dave A.C. Cooper. As I said, Dave should be joining us shortly. He's just wrapping up uh, the Cultum Collective, which is finishing up now. They're on the last call of there now. So uh, we should be um, seeing him soon. And when he does show up, we'll um, just briefly introduce him and, and get him on the show. Uh, he's uh, usually my partner in crime during these live shows. And 
Uh, and I appreciate it all the same. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough task doing two shows back to back, but Dave does it. And, um, and as I said, I always appreciate it of it. So, uh, without any further ado, since, um, this may be a long show as well, since, um, if it's, if it's, if that shows any indication, um, we, we should start right away with our review. And as you can tell from the opening, um, this review requires you to listen. <laughs> well, it's uh, obviously it's it's a we're reviewing the latest Doctor Who episode, the fourth, I believe, in the new series of 2014, and it's titled "Listen." And as always, listen to this. Spoilers! Spoilers again! Spoilers! 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 Spoilers. All right. Well, we're not talking about car accessories here. <laughs> we're talking about spoilers. So if you haven't seen this episode, spoilers. listen. You may want to, uh, you know, hold off listening to this podcast until until you have. And then, um, you know, then listen to it and enjoy it because th- there'll be uh, spoilers in it and there'll be no one to blame if you um, if you get spoiled. And, well, you could blame you get these uh, people, you know, perhaps people that you can't see or creatures that you can't see hiding in the shadows. And, um, but more on that in a minute where, <laughs> as we enter our review. Um, I, I do want before, actually before I do the review, uh, before we start the review, I just want to talk about the review, about how I do reviews. Uh, when I do review episodes, as if you're a regular listener to, to Dr. Hupachuk, I, I do try to give a, a balanced review. So, um, which means I will talk about what I liked about the episode and, and what I may not have liked about it. Um, so even episodes that I may have loathed, they're still, I still try to find something positive about them that I can talk about. And on the other side of the coin, even episodes that I passionately love, um, I still may find problematic elements. Um, it, it doesn't mean that the episode, you know, obviously it doesn't mean that the episode is I'm trashing it or, 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 or it's, it's just looking at the whole thing and, and it's, it's part of the review process. Um, I'm not looking for perfection. Clearly we're, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. So I'm not looking for perfection. And like I said, there are movies, books, etc., that I may be wildly passionate about. It doesn't mean that they're flawless. You accept them. And this, and, and just, and also things that I may notice in an episode, uh, and I may point it out, doesn't necessarily mean it's a floor or it's just an observation. It just, it, and it doesn't mean that it counts against it. It's, it's, if, if I make an observation that the, um, you know, the, the sky changes from shots to shots, you know, obviously they can't control the sky and, um, it's, it's just one of those things. So just making an observation, a point doesn't mean that I'm, I'm trashing the episode. So, um, there might be some that fans that might get, um, upset thinking that I'm tearing things apart when I'm really not. I'm just giving a, a review and, and stating what I see, and, um, and that's that's what really matters is the overall rating I give an episode. So, but if you are looking for a blind cheerleader that gives Pollyanna reviews, you'll have to look elsewhere. <laughs> so, anyway, now that I got that out of the way, let's talk about this latest episode. Um, it's well, you know what? Actually, let's talk for me, and let's um, since since we do have a lot to go through. Yes, you know, sometimes when you talk to yourself, what if you're not? Not what? What if it's not you you're talking to? Proposition. What if no one is ever really alone? What if every single living being has a companion, a silent passenger, a shadow? 
What is the prickle on the back of your neck? It's the breath of something close behind you. How long have you been traveling alone? Perhaps I never have. It looks like you're handwriting. Well, I couldn't have written it and forgotten, could I? <laughs> have you met you? What's all this? Dreams. Accounts of dreams by different people all through history. You see, I have a theory. I bet you have. What theory? I think everybody, at some point in their lives, has the exact same nightmare. You wake up, or you think you do, and there's someone in the dark, someone close, or you think there might be. So you sit up, turn on the light, and the room looks different at night. It ticks and creaks and breathes. And you tell yourself there's nobody there, nobody watching, nobody listening, nobody there at all. Now, did you listen? <laughs> did you listen to that clip? Uh, actually, the, the reason why I, I, it's not just the pun or the title, but it's uh, the episode itself actually does. If you listen to the soundtrack, it's pretty much from beginning to end. There's the, the soundtrack. There's material in the soundtracks. You know, the audio is uh, constant, like through that the whole episode. And uh, you know, obviously, that was um, intentional. You know, um, being that. The, the title of the episode is Listen. There's, uh, the, the story d- does very much... Uh, I think the soundtrack is a character, in a sense, in this story, that it's, uh, as it unfolds, it's, it's constantly... It's, it's, your, it's that shadow. It's your constant companion um, that's following you through this episode is the soundtrack. So uh, kudos to um, um, the sound engineering on this episode. It's written by Stephen Moffat, which probably, if you didn't know, if you didn't see him in the opening credits, just watching this episode, it has the um, the markings of a Stephen Moffat episode. You know, where uh, in the story itself, it, there's time travel that that is part of the storyline, and it plays a part in, in. Well, obviously, I'm repeating myself. It plays a part in the story, and I see that Dave Dave is here. So let me get him on the show before I go any further. Dave, can you hear me? I can indeed. That I'm means you're listening. listening. Intently. You're listening intently. Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper, I introduced you in the beginning of the show, even though you weren't here. So, uh, But uh, welcome, Dave. It's good to have you here. I know it's been a long day for you, and it, and, and it continues to be a long day. Yeah, sorry for arriving a little bit late, but uh, we've had uh, a really good conversation on it, and uh, I think this is an episode that has got some people very enthused. Some people have not been convinced. Some people, I believe, are you know watching it because of Peter Capaldi. Other people are watching it struggling maybe a little bit with his accent, although I must admit... Um, because he doesn't speak so fast, he doesn't speak as fast as, say, Matt Smith mm-hmm. would uh, deliver some of his lines. I find that counteracts the the uh, the um, 
the accent yeah. of his voice. I don't know how you cope with it. I Lewis, don't but, uh, have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with his with his accent. Uh, it's sometimes I have a. I, I, it's usually the other characters that I sometimes uh, I won't. It's not that their accent. Sometimes it's just maybe um, I, I just couldn't. I you know I couldn't catch a word that they said. Or, uh, like for instance, there's a scene in this episode where um, Clara and Danny are talking over you know dinner at their date and. Um, right before Danny brings up the thing about the wells and was it 23 wells or something like that, Clara says something and then I, I couldn't make out what she said. She said something and that, that's what triggers this reaction from um, from Danny and and it's it's just it's like just a, a quick word or whatever she said that I, I you know I didn't catch. So it's just stuff like that. Uh, um, it's I, I, the word kill. I guess maybe that's what she said. It was hard to discern what she said. So it's it's not ironically it's not um, it's 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 not Peter Capaldi that I'm having problems with. It's it's some of the other characters, um, and it's just like a word here or you know there or whatever. Um, but you had mentioned um, the reaction to this episode, and, and it's sort of running the gamut there of different um, you know people are, are taking it different ways, and um, well. Uh, perhaps I uh, didn't speak clearly. I, I think overwhelmingly, a lot of people think it's it's great and are really pleased with it. And I, I personally think it's the the best thing in this series up to now. Uh, but there there are I wouldn't say a minority. That's unfair because I don't really know. But um, it, it, it seems to be one that people have a very very strong light for because they think you know finally we're getting uh, you know. We're getting Capaldi given material, and he's, you know, he's hitting it out of the park, and it's, it's excellent, and we're having, um, you know, timey-wimey stuff again. It's not over-convoluted. Uh, one thing uh, that I forgot to say myself is earlier, there's a, um, we didn't have any of this um, yes. uh, over-art. Uh, over the, the, uh, the story about, art. No, uh, it's a Missy Free episode. No. Though, though I Which think we'll get our, our fill of Missy next week, though, but we... we um, right. You know, I can't say that I missed her this week. Yeah, I, I have yeah. to say, watching it, it's um, this is one of those episodes that I um, I liked more after I finished watching it than I did while watching it. If that makes any sense, it's it's because while watching it, um, there's certain expectations that develop, and then when those expectations aren't met, then even though you don't, if they are met, then it, then it becomes oh well. That the story's cliche or whatever, or, or it's predictable and all that. So it's kind of odd. So, but when they aren't met, you're slightly disappointed. Or, or afterwards, I was able. I, I was thinking, you know, it's one of those episodes that I kept on thinking about as soon as it was over, and I couldn't wait to like rewatch it again to see. Oh well, next when I watch it again, I'm going to look for this. I'm going to look for that, and see how how they all connect. And um, and then you, you're not watching it again. You don't have those. Um, Expectations that you think it's going one way when it goes a different way, and um, you know. So I'm actually glad. I'm actually appreciative that it didn't unfold the way I thought it might have unfolded, because I had um, a different set of expectations going into this episode than I did after watching it. So, um, so it's it's actually I enjoyed it more after seeing it than I did while I was seeing it the first time, and then I enjoyed it well, again the second time. Yeah. That's strange because this is one of the very few episodes I've watched recently where 
I wasn't on tender hooks while watching it. I just liked it from the first go. Uh, it was lovely to have the the long, you know, uh, dialogue. Capaldi holding the stage on his own there. Um, loved mm-hmm. the fact that we had the the little, uh, in particular the underwater scene where we see the TARDIS under the sea, mm-hmm. uh, with obviously the, the 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 barrier around the TARDIS holding the water back. Uh, loved all that. We still got the bit of the timey wimey sense with the you know the uh, we see Clara going into the date and then we see her back at a door yes. coming home and it's and overlapping and storytelling that we yeah. that yeah. we saw yeah. in in the Dalek episode into the Dalek we see it again here that overlapping storytelling. No, I, I mean this is this is the most. The easiest one I've had to watch in terms of, you know, uh, you know, not biting my nails and hoping they're not going to mess it up. I just loved it from the start. It flowed nicely. Um, I don't think I heard... Uh, I don't know what the American phrase is, but it's like bum note or something like that. I, 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 to me, it, it, it all held together. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I thought it was great. Um, and... Um, it, it had an internal logic. That logic was sort of um, a little bit like um, that, well, that infinity sign, isn't it, that rolls back on itself, the snake that eats its tail. Uh, Clara is both the solution and the cause. Uh, and we we get a lot of uh, Time Lord uh, lore uh, help, I would say. Perhaps some people have taken issue with uh, what it's now revealed about Gallifrey and Time Lords. I'm sure people hopefully will be allowed to come in and comment on some of those things. But all in all, I thought it was brilliant. So, so far for me, the first first episode that we had, um, Deep Breath, I thought was a little bit overlong and suffered from timing issues. Uh, the second one, uh, Into the Dalek, uh, I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week's, uh, I, I on third watching, uh, whilst doing the commentary, I appreciated it more, but I still think the plot makes no sense. This one, I've got no... I don't think I've got any quibbles whatsoever. And it's... Uh, I think I almost have to go back to Blink to be able to say that about an episode. Yeah, this... Uh, it, it flowed very well. The, the pacing... It was a slower pacing, but it, it was consistent, and it, it, it worked for this episode. And, um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought it held together and, and worked very well. I thought um, the, 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 it was good acting, the directing, and uh, the acting and everything was all in place, so um, it, it flowed very well. Um, as you said, I should say, actually, no, Dare the Doctor, of course, that was another one that blew it out of the park for me as well. Mm-hmm. And we see a glimpse well, of then it again. in this episode yeah. later on. Ah, yeah. Yeah, there was, um, you know, as you said, it begins with the Doctor pondering, and um, you know, we see him on on, on top of the TARDIS, and um, you know, then he, you know, he's he's talking about creatures that are apt for hunting and whatnot, and then um, you know, he, he he ponders about these hidden creatures that are listening to you while you talk to yourself, and um, it's it, it leads you to believe that's what this episode is about but in the end it's i think it's really not it's 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 about something else and uh, um so i think you know it's sort of that that misdirection that Stephen Moffat was leading you on and then it 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 turns into you know th- there's a lot of that here as well even at even uh, I, again i already sound the spoiler alert so even at the end when um 
when you, we think we're going to go see either um, one of the pinks, either um, um, Danny or um, or Orson, you know, as a child in bed, it turns out to be neither. So uh, again, but it, but all this talk about army and academy and all that leads you to believe that's who it, that's who it was. And again, it's again Stephen Moffat um, misdirecting you in a sense, and then you you realize who really was in that bed. Yeah, I mean, lots of things like that were marvellous. But, I mean, one of the great things, again, about um, uh, having given Capaldi time to say... I'm not too sure which order this was filmed in. I think I think uh, Mike... Uh, Mike's not on audio, but he may be able to put something in text. But, um, um, you know, the, the early ones... I, I, I thought last week's might have been his first one, but it wasn't. It was filmed in, in order. But here you feel as though... Uh, Capaldi is is holding centre stage. He doesn't need any props. Um, and um, one of the great things about him and the the TARDIS redesign, which we, see, we seem to be seeing more of it, and uh, and uh, may, may, maybe it's to do with the lighting and what have you. But I do really like the fact that they've got these bookcases around. Although he wasn't particularly going to those, we do know that he has these sort of chalkboards, these blackboards about. And the blackboard uh, gives him um, a, not just a, something to write on, but it gives him a sounding board because, uh, as any teacher will tell you, if you've got a blackboard in front of you and you're chalky, you, you, you think aloud anyway. So you bypass the need at that point to have a, a companion and we get the, 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 the doctor's thoughts uh, not... Uh, you know they're unfiltered because they're not coming via the companion. They're coming directly from the doctor himself. You know he's, he's postulating his theory. You're seeing his thinking process, and um, that was a very very strong opening. I thought, uh, as I say, uh, because I love the, uh, the. I don't think it was done brilliantly. Somebody commented that it wasn't. I think it was Darth that that wasn't brilliantly done the underwater scene. But the point was, it was just marvellous to see. Yeah, I, that use it, of, it, of the I thought it was done. It does get underused. Yeah, yeah, it was done well enough. I, I thought it was done well. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it was, it was well enough. Yeah, yeah. But, this is yeah. one of the um, one of the episodes that, that the scripts were leaked, and it was, and the episode itself was leaked without visual effects. So uh, I stayed away from any scripts or the, you know I didn't want any spoilers or whatever. So this was actually the you know the first time. As with the other episodes, this is the first time watching it as it was broadcast um, or after it was broadcast. Um, so, but the uh, supposedly the um, the missing, the, 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 not the missing, the leaked episode was missing the visual effects. Didn't I mean? Didn't have them included. So, um, I'm wondering if any of any people had seen that might have, um, you know, I, I don't know if that that opening sequence would have, you know, I guess it would still make sense or whatever. It's not that crucial. Yeah, I think another reason for the strength of that opening one, and Doctor's companion in Texas, but this is the first episode where I felt the writers were writing for Capaldi and not Matt Smith. Love this one. Uh, love the darker feel of it. Uh, you definitely felt as though... Um, uh, whether it, if, you think, if you're one of the people that think that uh, Moffat has, has, has lost his edge a little bit, you, you may then think that Capaldi has made him try harder... Uh, or you may think he's never been off his game and just loved his writing anyway. But uh, he's definitely on firmer ground with his um, his time loops and um, uh, the, the 
I mean, I mean, Capaldi's delivery is great. Uh, Clara, again, to me, is an extremely strong companion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they seem to me to very... The relationship between... The relationship between Capaldi... Uh, sorry, I should say... Between the Doctor and Clara, to me, um, makes more sense than it did between uh, the Twelfth Doctor and uh, Clara in some ways. Um, uh, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've done that dance of where we are in terms of mm-hmm. what the relationship is. He sees her about, you know, being plump and why do you need three mirrors and, uh, uh, you know, makeup in your eyes, get rid of that, you do your eyes. And yet she, uh, certainly by the end of this episode, um, has a little bit more measure of the doctor and uh, even in the hugging scene at the end, you know, she's, uh, they're forming that bond that's... Um, she's, still got, um, she's still got her own life. Mm-hmm. She said last week, you know, the Doctor's her hobby. Uh, uh, she really still got a career. She's still keen to do the job. She still wants to make a, a life. She's, you know, she's trying to uh, date. Yeah, I was um, just going to say that. She's... Luckily, the Doctor, yeah, the Doctor can take her away. I mean, one of the... I mean, I didn't like some of Matt's, uh, sorry, the Twelfth Doctor's, you know, inability to cope with human relationships. But even here, yeah, Eleventh Doctor, sorry. But here, at least the Twelfth Doctor said, uh, you know, uh, he materialises in the bedroom because he thought she might be bringing a date home, so he he wanted to be out of the way in the bedroom because, of course, (laughs) they'd never go there, would they? Yeah, I thought that was good, yeah. No, I agree. I think that... um, I really enjoy the the style and the direction of the series where it is now. I mean, I could do without the, the and I mentioned this before, you know, the overall series story arc and all that I could do without. But I, other than that, I really enjoy the style and the direction. And I think um, Capaldi is doing a great interpretation of the Doctor. I, I think he's, you know, as you said, I think that he's hitting his stride. I, I thought it started last episode and I think it just it continues and goes further this episode where he's um, really settling into the shoes of the doctor and um, and I think she, you know he's getting comfortable in them hello hello nice room you know you should have more than one chair what do you do when people come around sit on the bed why aren't you sitting on it then do you think that there's something underneath it? Hey. Everyone thinks that, sometimes. It's just how people think at night. Why? Did you have a dream? A hand grabbing your foot? You have, haven't you? You've had that exact dream. How did you know? Do you know why dreams are called dreams? Why? Because they're not real. If they were... They wouldn't need a name. What are you doing? Do you know what's under there? What? Me! Come on! It's perfectly safe. See? Nobody here, except us. Sometimes I hear noises. It's a house full of people. Of course you hear noises. They're all asleep. They're all dreaming. Can you hear dreams? If you're clever enough. But they can't harm you. You know, sometimes we think there's something behind us. And the space under your bed. 
It's what's behind you at night. Simple as that. There's nothing to be afraid of. So here we are once again. The doctor's meeting up with. Uh, he's not a companion, uh, at least not yet. You know, he's we. We're, he's um, the, the TARDIS brings us to a, a character in their younger years, and um, and this is um, now Rupert Pink, who later will change his name to uh, Danny Pink, which is kind of similar to because uh, the last time or, or one or, or the first time this had happened was um, with Amelia Pond, and then. She had changed her name as an adult to um, to Amy, you know, and she got rid of Amelia. So, um, you know, they're both Stephen Moffat stories, and um, I don't know if there's any, if if it means anything, but it just it's uh, you know, if there's any parallel there at all. But just pointing it out. Well, well, the, I thought the joke was there that um, when he, he thinks it's an awful name, you think the one name he's going to change, being a boy, will be he didn't want to be called Pink. <laughs> It was the first name he didn't like. He liked being called Pink. Mm. I, is it a? That's. I mean, it's, it's not. I. It's not a common name here. It's not. It's not. I don't believe it's a common name in the UK. Is it? No, I wouldn't say so. But it's not. I, I don't think it's unknown. But um, you, you know, to me, it's, he may not. It may be the sort of thing that if you're in a children's home, you might get ribbed about. Yeah. Yeah. So and this scene, although you probably get rid of being called Rupert, which is a posh name anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're at a children's home here, and we don't really see any other children, um, though that could be questionable because there's in that scene, you know, that follows. There's a, we see something in the bed. It's covered, and we're not sure what it is. Um, at, at first, I, I was thinking, well, maybe. Maybe they shouldn't have showed anything there at all, and uh, and, and leave it more mysterious. But then um, it's fine that they did, and we're led to believe, at least initially, that it's one of these creatures that are hiding in the shadows. Uh, but maybe um, the other possibility that they brought up was that maybe it was one of his friends, you know, playing a, a prank on him or whatever. And uh, it's never really answered, and I think that's. Um, I think that's okay. I think that, that that just adds to the mystery and and um, um. well, the the monster in effect is fear itself. Well, that's it? exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, but in the end, it turns out to be that this isn't a story about creatures hiding in you know where we can't see them, or whatever. It's really a story about fear. You know, and and in the end, you know, Clara says, "What if it's nothing? What if there's nothing under the bed? What if, you know, it's?" And I think that's what it's all about. I, I don't really believe that it's. We are led to believe that's what the story is going to be. You know, about hidden creatures, and um, you know, and I think it's it's not. It's that hidden creature is fear, is your constant companion, and I think that's what the story is about. Is is um, looking fear in the face and and seeing for, seeing it for what it is. Right. What did you think about the actual uh, the controlling method of uh, the TARDIS and the, the change to the console? Well, I, I, I'm fine with it. The only thing I would have added if I was if it was up to me was uh, maybe have a scene where he removes some of the controls on the top, like a, like a, the control panel on the top, and, and it revealed this this like bio 
um, I don't know how to describe it, but um, interface, you know, wh- where she puts her hands in. Uh, it, it would have been nice if it was just some sort of reveal. Like, because it feels like it's all of a sudden it's there when it wasn't there before. So I, it would have been nice if he sort of like picked up a panel that might have had controls on top of it to reveal this other interface where then she was able to, uh, you know, steer the TARDIS with it. Right, right. So, yeah, I think this is a story, you know, as I said in, um, I don't know if it was last episode or two episodes ago, that it seems like the series, each series, each season, if you will, follows, there's a certain pattern to it where you have your future episode and your historical episode. This is the Haunted House episode. You know, we had Hyde, and I think it was last series, and, you know, and um, yeah. there's always like a spooky um, um horror type one and this is your classic horror story this is your classic haunted house story really you know where um there's all these creaks and and sounds and you you don't know what you know what's behind the door and literally that's you know that they play on that right Uh, and it's on all levels isn't it it's both as uh, her as a companion but still going uh, on the adventures with the doctor uh the doctor um you know, still, as we as it turns out in the end, it's the doctor who's the boy, little boy who cries in the bed. Uh, but it's also addressing the the people who are watch, perhaps children who are watching Doctor Who, even though it frightens them, they, they watch it. And then Moffat, uh, through through the script, turns that around, doesn't he? By the 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 way that the doctor um, calls it, is it calls it a superpower or something, mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, uh, what are you feeling right now? You know, your heart's pounding, so you're stronger, and you've, you've got, you, if you if you were to run now, you could run faster, and if you could hit now, you could hit harder. So that fear is actually giving you, of course, it's the old, what what people would know as fright or flight, wouldn't they? Uh, fight or fr- mm-hmm. flight. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got that coming in, and uh, and then the very fact that uh, Clara's in the room when the doctor's explaining that to the young boy gives Clara the information that she needs to give to the crying doctor towards the very end of the story. So we get this, again, very typical Moffat uh, circular uh, route of, uh, of information and so on. Um, but there's an awful lot to recommend this. Um, uh, people uh, have commented on the the sound being excellent which mm-hmm. yeah i had mentioned that you, too it might have been before I think, yeah, in fact you did as well yeah. uh, you're going to give it center stage with such a, with a show but uh this really does seem like a very very polished episode of doctor who although uh, again i'm not trying to say it's a unanimous like uh, there are some people that that maybe uh, feel as though it's it's not the doctor who stories that they like but uh, to me uh, after last week's uh, oh, oh, too silly uh, plot, which could be defended by the fact you could say, well, the Doctor didn't really feel as though they were in a reality situation. He was not treating the situation mm-hmm. weird because he thought it was a setup, it was yeah. a miniscope thing or whatever. Uh, so you could you could get it away from that. And of course, you were meeting, uh, you know, a fantasy hero. So how do you know that? Um, you know, your fantasy heroes are are like that, are not. Uh, they did the same, if you remember, with the the uh, was it the Shakespeare Code, uh, uh, the one where um, 
they made the bard. Yes. And uh, you know the tenth doctor says, "Oh, listen, to you, he's going to make he's going to make a great he's a great orator, great orator." And he tells everybody to shut the fat face up or something like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, they do play with things like that. But I, I, I really this is one story when I really relaxed and enjoyed it. Uh, it, it, it seems so sure-footed. Uh, I liked, um, again, as I say, uh, Clara's acting, uh, well, Jenna's acting in terms of her expression, uh, the fact that when she's, uh, I mean, we, we had uh, another trademark of uh, Moffitt's, didn't we? You know, this idea of you know, every 10 minutes the audience might be going to sleep so you have something strange. So we had the space-suited man come into the restaurant and when I first saw that, I thought, well, is that Muffet just been doing that? It's just, uh, you know, jerking the audience awake. But, of course, in one sense, it made sense for, for, two, well, for two reasons. One, it turned out to be quite useful that this guy who had been at the end of the world in this, this machine uh, and, and uh, maybe a, a funny life support to be wearing the suit anyway. Secondly, it, it was important because he, he ended up going to save the doctor who was being dragged out when the outer hole was opened. But thirdly, it meant that, that Clara followed the space shooting figure because seeing that space shoot, she, she assumed it was the doctor inside. Yeah, uh, so did the audience. Been, you know, so did we all, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she'd have seen what looked, would have looked to her like a, you know, a Danny, you know, 10 or 15 years older than the one she's sitting next to at the table. That would have freaked her out and she would have, and maybe Danny would have turned well, around. And yeah, seen, you can't risk him uh, turning around and around. seeing himself. You know, he looks, you know, like, he looks like himself, older, so you can't have that, you know, I, I think that was, that was deliberate, yeah. you know. But I, again, um, yeah. once again, it's another scene where it's, it's misdirection because we've seen the doctor in an orange spacesuit uh, several times before, and so we, the audience, just assume that it's the doctor, and we don't we don't really understand why he's in, in this suit, and then we realize that it's not him, and it's and you know, so it's it's one of those, um, um, like I said, uh, th there's a lot of misdirection in this story, so. And, uh, and, and uh, I it's not for shot value, but it, uh, but it works. Yeah, I think it all works well. Gone. Gone. He took my bedspread. Oh, the human race. You're never happy, are you? Am I safe now? Nobody's safe, especially not at night, in the dark. Anything can get you. You're all the way up here, you're all alone. What was that for? Shut up, leave this to me. These yours? They're the homes. They're yours now. People don't need to be lied to. People don't need to be scared by a big grey-haired stick insect, but here you are. Stay still. Shut up. See what I'm doing? This is your army. Plastic army. Sit. And they're going to guard under your bed. You see this one? This one's the boss one. The colonel, he's going to keep a special eye out. It's broken, that one. It doesn't have a gun. That's why he's the boss. Soldier's so brave, he doesn't need a gun. He can keep the whole world safe. What should we call him? Dan. Sorry? Dan the soldier man. That's what I call him. Good. Good name. Yeah. Would you read me a story or help me get to sleep? Sure. Once upon a time, the end. Dad skills. 
I thought that was interesting, yeah. that line. Yeah. And, of course, Clara t- is taken aback there when he, he calls the uh, the soldier Dan, because uh, Danny Pink, of course. Uh, and I did like the line that, you know, uh, he's the leader because he doesn't have a gun, he doesn't need a gun. And uh, this, 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 as we know, uh, again, jumping right to the end, Clara leaves that soldier um, at, at the doctor's bedside, the young doctor's bedside. So that basically helps maybe form his... His, his, his way of being a Time Lord. But the only thing is that he, the, the Doctor know, doesn't recognize it then in this scene. You know, he doesn't recognize it from his childhood. Well, he's had a 2,000 years old. <laughs> 2,000 years gone past since he was a child. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those paradoxes when it comes to time travel. So now, what do you think? Why do you think Clara is being so secretive? about her relationship with Danny Pink, because she's keeping it from the, you know, the doctor. She's just, you know, she, keep, she keeps on saying, I'm on a date, but she's not, you know, and any time the doctor asks, are you connected to him in any way? She would always deny it. Is it the soldier thing, or she's just trying to keep her life separate? You know, she's trying to keep a separate life from her life with the doctor. Like you said, he's just her hobby. And um, so... Or is it, like I said, maybe it's she's trying to be protective of him because... Uh, the doctor's feelings about soldiers and and him being a soldier, or or is it just, or maybe it's a mix of two of the of the of the two. What's your feelings on that? Well, first of all, I think she's trying to compartmentalise that. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to keep a normal life and our adventures with the doctor, as you say, a hobby. Uh, she wants to keep one foot in each world, as it were. Uh, I think she thinks, uh, and she's cottoned on to the fact that the doctor's not got a complete hang of how humans interact. So, you know, uh, for that reason. And we get some of the little comments like uh, when she comes back to the bedroom, she says, well, you've t- started taking your makeup off. He hadn't, he hadn't made the note that she's presumably cried and that had made a, a makeup run yes, a little bit. Yeah. Um, the thing about uh, when he asks her, does she have any relationship with this man, the, the space figure, I think what's happening there is it's, uh, you see it going on behind, well, I see it going on behind her eyes that, that she's basically saying, well, hang on a minute, if this man looks like Danny, but he's 100 years in the future, and he's therefore directly descended from him, am I his great-great-great-great-grandmother? Yeah, thing? yeah. Uh, and then does that mean that we are going to get together and we've just had the worst day ever? Um, and, of course, there is a scene later on where she, uh, she goes back and knocks on his door right near the end, and they actually kiss. Uh, so maybe, you know, it cements the thought. So she's she doesn't know whether this thing's going to go anywhere, but she wants a normal relationship um, with a with a busy life, another teacher. I mean, it's not usual that uh, just just in case anybody's thinking out there uh, and all the kids watching, it's not as though most teachers uh, at the same school, uh, you know, are, are dating one another um, because you would. You may go out with another teacher, but you're not likely to go out with one from the same school. But, you know, her opportunities are limited. Uh, he's quite a fanciful bloke, I suppose. And and uh, he obviously, um, because of the way he's so tongue-twisted in front of her, um, they got off to such a, a bad start. I mean, uh, and, and that, that played into that point where you said you missed some of the dialogue. He, he kept going on about that actually as a soldier, he spent most of his time digging water wells. And then when the water came, 
she said something like, uh, he'll probably dig his own well. Well, they laughed over that, but then there was the next remark which said, uh, oh, well, kill her, that'd be easier for you or something. And uh, then, he, then, of course, he offended her by saying, people like you, which, of course, then Clara says, what do you mean, people like me? And, and basically the whole thing, let's forget it. And uh, luckily she had a second chance the way things developed. So I think it's, it's good, it's compartmentalising. It's, it's uh, her human side of her life, but yet, you know, adventures with the Doctor are so tempting. It, yeah. What I think we've got with Clara, and I, and I know there are people that don't like her being dropped off. I wasn't too sure about that myself. Mm-hmm. But what we're guessing with Clara is we're guessing a companion who has her own life without getting domestic about it. You know, we're not having mother-in-laws and, uh, you know, trying to get yeah, the trap off with the doctor either, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a nice, up to now, it's a nice balance. Whether that can be maintained or not, I don't know. Well, we also, uh, in chat, uh, Kyle had mentioned, and I, I, I was feeling about, I also had some feelings about this too, that I think maybe the doctor already knows about Danny and he's just, keep, you know, playing you know, in a certain sense, playing stupid or playing dumb with her, you know, by asking all the time. But I, I well, think... I don't know. He, he might now, because he, he said he reviewed the... After the, Clara had done the first psychic link, and then he found the psychic link that took him to, you know, the, this, this time traveller relative, he said he'd been examining things. So maybe he knows now that there's links, but I don't think he did... In the previous yeah. story, I even at the beginning of the story, but at that point, when he because he said to Clara, he said, "Don't think any dirty thoughts because it might come up on the screen," you know. So at that point, he he's got access to her timeline because he even mentions he could even tell her when she's going to die. And um, we've we've had uh, the eleventh doctor mention to somebody, you know, about the date of death and things like that. Um, and Clara quite sensibly says, well, "I don't want to know. Don't show me that." I mean, no, I don't yeah. think anybody would yeah. want to know that. Yeah, of course. I think the doctor, even even without consulting, the, you know, the, the timeline or whatever, I think he, he can just connect the dots, you know. And, you know, he he's always been a, a bit of a Sherlock Holmes where, you know, he, he'll, he'll be able to discern things without you know, pe- people coming out and telling yeah, him. Yeah, what's up with your eyes? Stop doing that. What's up with your eyes? Stop doing that. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. I think... Um, you know, eventually maybe the, the, the whole issue about, you know, his issues about what he had had to do as a soldier, him being a soldier, and then um, are probably eventually going to come to front with the doctor and his opinions about soldiers. And there's going to be, you know, somewhere down the line, there's going to be some sort of um, moral or ethical um you know, argument or decision or something. Where it's, it's, it's kind of come to a head somewhere down in the series, I believe. But just one thing I would say there is one one thing that was thrown in that may lead to a little bit of confusion is uh, when, when the the young boy says, um, "I call that soldier," you know, Dan Dan the soldier. Um, we've had it alluded to that he actually was a soldier. Um, I mean, was that? Was this this teacher, the young Danny, the teacher, was he really a soldier, or is there some delusional aspect to his life that he used to escape from being in a children's home 
uh, uh, was that the actual reason why he became a soldier? Because this soldier defended him through very difficult years of his childhood in a home, and therefore he thought that soldiers were strong. He wanted to be strong, and therefore he sought out a life as a soldier. Mm-hmm. So either yeah. way, it's going to play a part in that. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought you know, about that you know, as far as... In- you know, not really being a soldier, but imagining to be one. But yeah, that's it's a possibility. Though, d- didn't didn't someone note that he had walked with a limp in um, when we first saw him in, into Dalek? He had a yes, but of course that the, could be anything. Yeah, in the restaurant, we only saw him sitting. Yeah, down. we only saw him sitting. We, down we didn't actually see. Yeah. We never saw him walk in this. And Davros eleven seventy nine has put um, he became a soldier because of it. So that's their thoughts. Yeah. Uh, just remind everyone that are listening, we have a, a live chat that goes on with the live episode at TalkShoe.com. Um, there's also, if you are listening live, you can uh, call in at 724-444-7444. And the call ID for this show is 23358. And when you do, you can put hit star or asterisk on your keypad on the phone 8 to put yourself in the queue if you want to. If you have feedback that you want to uh, you want to talk to us live about this episode, um, and then at the end of the show, I'll give you our the the Pachak Puppet call box number. Um, I don't want to get too confusing with all the phone numbers here. So um, so yeah, you um, uh, we'll get your uh, you know if you want to leave feedback after the show is over, that's good too, and we'll we'll get it on the show at, at some point. All right, so what, I think at that point, I think at this point, I'll, I'll play a clip and then we'll open it up to, um, uh, you know, to, to callers. Uh, I, I do want to make a point that, um, you know, I was a little, once we do find out, once the Clara, you know, getting to the end there, when, when Clara does meet the young doctor, um, and, and it's funny because she's, out of all the companions, you know, she and her splinted self that went through all the t- different t- timelines of the doctor, she's seen the doctor in more times and more various points of his life and his regenerations than any other companion thus far. I don't think this Clara knows all of that, though. Does yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's also interesting that, um, you know, we, we do see the scene where, and, you know, obviously it, we find out why, you know, the connection between this um, barn that we see in the day of the doc in the day of the doctor the the 50th anniversary special which by the way um just uh, uh, now that i mention it anyone that's on amazon prime it's it's now offered free if you're a prime member day of the doctor and um the night of the doctor no not night of the doctor um um the christmas one it's um time time of the doctor thank you so yeah. both of those are now available. If you're an Amazon Prime member, they're free. If you're a Prime member, to for, you know to to stream. Yeah. Just just giving a lot of news there in the middle of this. Um, so I, you know, sometimes well, well, let me let me just come in. Okay, there, go ahead, uh, Mike. Miranda Thor said um, we don't know that. What I referenced about Clara. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is uh, are the um, the extras uh, available on there as well? There was another. Um, well, I, they they are on, uh, they they are on iTunes. It's a valid question because in the middle of the week I did go to Amazon and they did have. Last week's like special, like the, the behind the scenes thing, but it said not available. 
for some reason. It was listed on Amazon, so maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's. I don't know. They hadn't released it, or for some reason, it's not available. But they are available on iTunes. They they are released at the same time as the regular episode itself. So I'm assuming that's the that's the same case on Amazon. I don't know if it was just a glitch or something. For some reason, when I was there in the middle of the week. Um, it's not available, even though it was listed on Amazon. So it's they obviously at, at some point it's going to be available. Okay, and let me uh, read again from uh, Mike. Uh, in an interview, Moffat said that he won't explain it because he doesn't think the audience cares, uh, and I think it's probably too complicated what this what this Clara knows of you know her splintered self uh, and what she actually experienced herself. So thank you for Mike, uh, Mike uh, mm-hmm. for giving that input. Well, so we, 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 we do know that she... Going to our caller. Um, she, we do know that she's actually... She, she, um, if, if, if nothing else, she's met the 10th incarnation, you know, in the day of the Doctor, and and the, the 11th she knows yeah. of, and, and now she's met the young William Hartnell, if you will, the, the, the original, we have to assume... Right. I, I always get worried. Uh, companion says, if it says... Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Finish. Sorry, there's a time lag, folks. It's okay. Uh, it said, um, uh, if it says not available, it means you have to pay for it. Oh, yeah. All right. I didn't see a price, though, but maybe that's the... Maybe I just missed it or something like that, but it said... Um, whatever, I, I'll have to go back and look again. Um, maybe I just missed it. Okay. Um but but getting anytime they explore the doctor's history, his like pre-Tardis history, sometimes I worry that they're going to give too much away because I always feel that the doctor should be wrapped up a mystery. You know, it's it's Doctor Who, you know, with a question mark, even though there's no question mark in the title. But it's it, it, the whole point of Doctor Who was like this mysterious character that 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 we don't know that much about. It's 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 really Doctor Who, and. Um, so sometimes I worry that they give too much away, and I I, I like the I, the notion that the audience can make up their own history or make up their own or or perceive him to be different things to different people. So, but I thought they I I think this they did this scene well, and they didn't give you know they didn't give anything away or too much away, and we did learn the connection between him you know and this barn that we do see that we had seen earlier, you know, in Day of the Doctor. The, the only trouble is about that is, you know, where, where this man, because we, we know well, that Gallifrey's locked or something. Yeah, well, but the, the Doctor did say to... Well, you would think that the Doctor and his parents would be living in the Citadel because it was established that, you know, Gallifrey, you had those that are living outside of the Citadel, outside of the city, outside of the, 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 the domed, you know, civilization, if you will, and then there's you know the, the, those that are a little bit more savage, if you will, um, right. living outside. Right. So of you're the, taking Gallifrey as the, uh, as the city, not the planet. No, yeah. no, no, no. Well, the, Gallifrey the, is the, the planet, obviously. But, but I, you, you would just think that the Doctor and his parents would be living, you know, inside the Citadel. This barn, uh, as we know, I mean, first of all, they didn't speak to the child, uh, talk to the child as though it was their child. It, it, they talk oh. about going back with the other boys and mm-hmm. so on. So yeah, that's uh, true. It looks as though it was at a, some sort of you know younger school, pre-academy school, and of course it didn't have the same burnt orange skies of Gallifrey. Um, 
So, well, it was night. Anyway, it was night at that scene. Yes, yeah, certainly it was. And, and, uh, the the and, point is, it, it, it fitted very well in the story. I oh, mean, I yeah, don't even want to yeah. do I mean, Again, I'm not criticizing. I was just exploring it, you know. And, and, um, and, and I assume, you know, that she reaches out and grabs him by the ankle, uh, you know, to prevent him from discovering himself inside the TARDIS. Because he heard the noise and he was going to go up and, and investigate. And then, <laughs> then she grabbed him. And then has the realization that she's the she's the fear under the bed. Yes, yeah. Hello, this is Katie Manning, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock, or as I read it, Poochock. We'll be right back with our live review of Doctor Who Listen after you listen to this. A few words about Audible. As you know, if you're a listener to Doctor Who Podshop, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. And what we try to do uh, once, you know, every episode is to make a suggestion on, um, on what you could choose from Audible as your free audiobook selection. Now, as I was saying, they are the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, from um, all different types of um, audiobooks, including thrillers, romance, comedy, of course, science fiction. They got lots of, um, of Doctor Who titles, business titles, audible titles will play on your iPhone, including the new iPhone 6 coming out, if you're getting one, um, or the Kindle, Android. Uh, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock Portable is offering a free, yes, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide, well, it's not for you, fine, you keep your free audiobook and you cancel the rest. Now, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com dot com slash slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you couldn't get that URL, you're driving, you can't go now, have no fear, go to podshock.net and you'll find links to it there as well. So what will be our selection or our recommendation as a possibility for a free audiobook? There's so much to choose from. And like I said, we usually try to connect it or tie it or have some relationship to what we're talking about in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. So we're talking about Doctor Who Listen. We're reviewing that in this episode, of course. And, well, there's lots of audiobooks about listening. There's lots of audiobooks about fear, both in, um, the, uh, in self-help, self-help categories and fiction as well. So it's, um, it's really too difficult to choose from one of those two. And of course, you know, the, the episode of Listen has not been made into an audiobook as of yet. So, uh, so that's out of it. But in the episode, Listen, if you are listening closely and uh, you are a longtime fan, you may have recognized something the doctor had said when he had awoken from, um, he was unconscious um, after, um, you know, when they're in the spaceship. Um, towards well, I'm getting well. Again, I'm assuming you've seen this episode already. Anyway, he awakens inside the TARDIS after um, after uh, Orson brings him in, 
and uh, he's um, the first words he utters is something familiar. He says, "Santarans preventing the course of human history." He uh, when he, he wakes up, which is actually the first words he had said after regenerating into the into the fourth Doctor in the episode Robot, which is a reference to a third Doctor story, the Time Warrior. Which, if you listen to last week's episode of Doctor Who Podshock, we referenced. And both um, Time Warrior is, um, there's some similarities between the Time Warrior and what we were reviewing last week, which was Robot of Sherbert. Uh, no, yes. And then, uh, and then also that, the Time Warrior is a story that, um, that time travel plays a factor into the storyline within that particular story. And as it does in this episode of Doctor Who, uh, listen. So, that will be our selection, The Time Warrior. And <laughs> I know we had to jump through a bunch of hoops and loops and <laughs> timey-wimey to get there, but we got there. Time Warrior is by Terrence Dix. It's narrated, narrated by Jeremy Bach, who is in the episode, The Time Warrior. Also, for those that, um, you know, for the, the, those that are, probably know that are Star Wars fans, he plays Boba Fett. Um... Uh, he also played an Imperial officer in Empire Strikes Back too, but he's probably best known for playing Boba Fett. But he was in um, uh, he, he was he was actually in a couple of Doctor Who's, but he was in Time Warrior. He played a character named Hal. Anyway, so this is um a little piece. So let's play a little piece from Doctor Who and the Time Warrior. Once again, this could be your selection. It doesn't have to be, but it's uh it's as a as I suggested before by the Doctor's comments. It has to do with... Uh, actually, it's a significant story in the fact that um, it is the introduction of the Santarans into Doctor Who. So uh, there's a Santaran that finds its way into medieval times, and um, and the Doctor needs to uh, fix things up. So, But here's a little bit of the audiobook Doctor Who and the Time Warrior. Worse. They had outmaneuvered him, cutting off every twist and turn. Seeming to anticipate every feint and stratagem he had dredged up from his long career in the Space Corps. The Rutan leader was an expert. Lynx knew the difficulty of holding a squadron in combat formation. But all through the long chase, the nine pursuit ships had maintained their perfect parabola, never varying by a single degree, never offering the faintest hope of breaking past them. Lynx had waited. His ship matched the fighters in speed. They had no chance of coming within torpedo range. Normally in such a situation, the pursuing force eventually broke off the chase. In three galactic wars against the Rutans, as each side developed increasingly sophisticated sensors, Lynx had grown accustomed to these inconclusive encounters. Not so apparently in the Rutan leader's case. He held on with dogged persistency, forcing Lynx's cruiser inexorably further and further out from the center of the galaxy. They were already among the fringe systems when Lynx, with chilled respect, suddenly appreciated the depths of the Rutan's strategy. Saw how long ago the plan had formulated. Soon he would be driven out even beyond the fringes of the galaxy, out into the deep space of the intergalactic wastes, out into the terrible regions where even light itself faded and died. The Vortex. The Great Ebb. They would finish him there. That was the chosen killing ground. And the Rutan leader had seen it all in the first flashing instant of contact, seen his opening in the very second that Lynx turned for home, seen, 
a thousand parsecs away, the inevitable end. As his starship plunged into the great ebb and lost way, the Rutan fighters would stand off at a safe distance and launch their torpedoes. There could be no escape. Then his sensors detected the asteroid belt. Unchartable as icebergs, drifting forever through the dark interstellar void, the asteroids formed a ragged arc millions of miles across. Some, Lynx knew, would be vast mountains of rock and iron and ice. Others were probably no bigger than a single grain of sand. He sat now at the control module and watched his detector screens. Nothing showed. Perhaps nothing would. With the cruiser in spectronic drive, the scanners would barely pick up an approaching image before impact. At that speed, even a single grain of sand striking the hull would have the effect of a fission shell. The cruiser would simply vanish. Lynx himself, the heavy bones, the flat, powerful muscles, the leathery, hairless epidermis, the calculating brain, all that was Jingo Lynx, commander in the Sontaran Space Corps, would cease to exist. Instead, a million tiny globules of organic matter would be left floating like a giant puffball in space. A microsecond from obliteration. Lynx moved his hand again. The blood-stirring, ineffably sweet strains of the Sontaran anthem pulsed through the ship. Lynx never took his eyes off the screens. Little red eyes that were like firelit caves under the great green-brown dome of a skull. But he felt a thrill of pride run through his body. He was a Sontaran, and he was dying as a Sontaran should, throwing a challenge to the Rutans. They would not follow him into the asteroid belt. Once again, that was Doctor Who and the Time Warrior by Terence Dix, narrated by Jeremy Bollock. That could be your selection. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. You don't have to select this one. You can select any that they have to offer f- for free with this offer. So now let's get back to listening to our review of Listen live with your live feedback. I am trying to have a date. A real life into human actual date. It's a normal, nice, everyday meeting up sort of thing. And I would just like to know, is there any other way you can make this any more surreal than it already is? Hello. Ah, Clara! Well done, you found her. Now, this is really a bit strange. Danny. What's going on with your face? It's all eyes. Why are you all eyes? Get them under control. Uh, who's Danny? This is Colonel Orson Pink from about 100 years in your future. <laughs> Orson Pink. Yeah. I laughed too, sorry. Do you have any connection with him? Connection? Yes, maybe you're like a distant relative or something. How, how would I know? Right, okay. Um, well, do you have any old family photographs of her? You know, probably quite old and, and really fat looking. I don't. How did you find him? Well, you'll have to trace in the TARDIS telepathic circuits. I fired them up again, but the TARDIS brought me straight to him. So he has something to do with your timeline. Okay. And you will never guess where I found him. 
way. The end of the road. This is it. The end of everything. The last planet. The end of the universe. The TARDIS isn't supposed to come this far, but some idiot turned the safeguards off. Listen. To what? Nothing. So, once again, we're at the end of the universe. Millieways. We're at Millieways. Uh, I'm mixing my British sci-fi now. Uh, perhaps Peter Davison was being served for lunch. <laughs> he might be. All right, well, as a reminder, when we're recording live, please uh, feel free to join us. Uh, call, you know, we're, we do these shows at Sunday after the live, after the new episode goes out. We record Dr. Hupachak live, reviewing the previous night's episode at 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um, that will change the standard time when, when, the, when the time changes. Uh, at 724-444-7444. And the call ID number is 23. 23- Three five eight. So when we're live, you can um, when we're recording live, you can call. Even if you can't make it to talk show and you're elsewhere and you just want to call in it and um, have your thoughts about it. Uh, as always, uh, Podshock supporting subscribers will get give preference to because they help uh, bring the show to you. And I want to uh, once again thank you for being a supporter if you are one. And if um, to learn more about it, go to our website podshock.net. It really does help make a difference, and um, and it does. Um, Help us bring the show to you on a on a um, on a regular basis. So uh, first in the queue there is uh, once again is Kyle. Let's welcome him. Welcome back, Kyle, to the show. Hi, Kyle. Good afternoon, both good afternoon. of you. How are you? It's great having you back. Doing Hi, good, Kyle. Good to have you here. Good deal. Good deal. Well, I'm Dave. I'm agreeing with you. I thought the episode was great. It was one that I was not sitting there waiting for the next monster to come out or the or the you know expecting what's going to happen next i just sit there and enjoyed the episode i did think however i was looking at the end and expecting it maybe to be a two-parter because right before they went to gallifrey to see him as a little boy i was sitting there going okay we're we're you know we're three or four or five minutes left and there needs to be a little bit more resolution or we need a little bit more time so um you know i thought it was a little rushed there at the end but other than that i thought it was a great episode uh one thing i did want to comment about was are we creating with clara are we creating a uh, predestination of her future Uh, i know you guys have talked about it a little bit and we've talked about it in the chat but my question is, do you think that Moffat is creating uh, this relationship with she and Danny that possibly she's going to feel now compelled to go and have this life with Danny? Because guess what? You've seen her great, great, great grandson. So what do you guys think? I, I think that's highly likely. I think, um, you know, the, the, the way that, um, you know, the very fact that she says, you know, I mean, it's not it's not like Martha being in love with the Tenth Doctor, is it? Uh, you know, uh, her life's not uh, her life's not totally entwined with the Doctor, um, and so I think uh, yeah, there will come a time when uh, you know the Doctor is her. I mean, where where I mean, different companions travel for different reasons. Rose, we think from what the ninth doctor said that 
the reason that persuaded her to go in the TARDIS was when she found out it didn't just travel in space, it travelled in time. And then we had that lovely story, you know, Father's Day. So um, you, you've got a feeling that with Clara, it's more, you know, it's more adventures, you know, uh, stuff she read as a girl. She's a, you know, a teacher, she wants to experience things, but she knows it's not real life, if, if you know what I mean. So um, I think she would see... I don't think she'd believe in predestination, but the point is, it's not as though she meets this ancestor and then decides she will ask the guy at school out on a date. They had already had the date. They mm -hmm. knew they liked each other uh, because they were fumbling with each other in conversation. Uh, <laughs> poor Danny says, uh, I think I'll go straight to the extras. I mean, afters. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, another thing that I noticed, you know, when we found out that it was Clara that grabbed his foot and then, you know, that set that whole chain of events or explanation off. One thing that I, I'm interested to see maybe by the, the end of uh, the 12th episode, you know, once we see the resolution with Missy, remember this is Stephen Moffat writing. And one thing that I've learned about Stephen Moffat over the years is you will see something, see one resolution, and then four, five, six episodes or even a season or two later, you see a revelation that completely turns that on the end. A good example of that, go back to 2008, watch the two episodes with River Song when she was first introduced. You watch that originally, you see this one-off character, someone from his future. You go back and watch it now, having seen all the River episodes, whole different, you know, a whole different meaning. So I'm curious, you know, even though they resolved it as, you know, this was just fear as the companion, I still say that there was something under the blanket and that we will find out what that is later on. It's quite possible. Well, that's possible, certainly. But, but with regard to um, to uh, Clara's future, I think I think Moffat has stepped back a bit, stepped back a bit from having overcomplicated character arcs, if not story arcs. So, but I think you might be right. This this creature may come uh, yeah. back again. I uh, had the same I, thought. I, I, I posted. Yeah, I posted something on Facebook page, some some uh, page. I won't mention. But it was a podcast-related one, and uh, they posted an article about this, and and the picture they put pinned to the article was a picture of Clara under the bed grabbing the foot. And I made a comment saying, that's a bit spoilerish for your your article. Uh, and they said, well, no, actually, that, that scene was a, a still from the trailer. Now, I'd watched the Theresa trailer, but I hadn't watched the trailer. If that was in the trailer, I think that's really silly, because... Uh, Although this was supposed to be a scary episode, I didn't really think it was that scary. I thought it was brilliantly written, very clever, but I didn't think it was that scary. But if if everybody watching it already knew that Clara was the one under the bed, then it's even less scary. I mean, there's quite a lot of uh, Doctor Who fans who quite like to have found Clara under the bed. So, um, in fact, I think Ian's favourite scene was in Clara's bedroom uh, when the Doctor's waiting for her there. But, um, yeah, so... But I, I don't think she's going to have an overcomplicated exit if she is having an exit. But I, I think the very fact that she's already formed a, a, an attachment of sorts to this boy, um, this might this might um, 
confirm that history for her, but I don't think I mean I don't think she's the sort who would you know, have, have been presented with a fate accomplice, that's who you're going to marry. I think she would rile, rile against that. But I think she already fancies him, as the doctor's alluded to, with, you know, take that funny like out of your eye when she sees this character. Yeah, I, I, agree. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think she'll be motivated by how she feels, not how, she, how not destiny, you know. I, I think it's, it's going to be coming from right, her heart. exactly. Yeah. And uh, Kyle, I do agree. I think maybe well, we, we may see, you know, n- knowing Stephen Moffat, we may, you know, it may be revealed later on who was in the bed, you know, be it, uh, you know, something innocent or maybe something not so innocent, you know, that may be revealed or may not be revealed. Right. Exactly. Now, um, the, other than that, I, I think, you know, out of the first three episodes, this, you know, before it, this, well, out of the four total, this one has been my favorite. It, uh, it, it did feel like this was the first one where he was indeed, you know, the doctor without any, you know, trappings of trying to be different from Matt. It was he owned the role. So I thought this was mm-hmm. out of the four uh, would absolutely, you know, rank above the other three. So. So that, if I were to give it TARDIS groans, I would give it a solid, um, I'd give it a 3.75. And the only reason I give it 3.75 is I'm not quite so sure I like how in, intertwined Clara is becoming in his uh, whole storyline, even back to his childhood. So other than that, you know, as far as it, the writing, brilliantly written, good good story but the, but that would be the only negative i would give it would be you know putting clara a little bit too much front and center into his uh timeline so other than that i think that's my my overall yeah. i mean there is a the possible flying the ointment isn't there in terms of when we saw the uh, the story before with the the blue character who ended up in heaven um uh, who was also, you know, a soldier in a future war. Uh, I mean, I remember thinking, this is from the Dalek story, I remember thinking, well, you know, maybe they're from the same... I thought he might have been from a different time zone. But, of course, this home... Was it in 1994 or something, the state is? The doctor sort of smells the ozone or something and, and yeah, dates right. where they've gone back to. Uh, uh, which is nice, because uh, uh, the 10th doctor always tasted stuff, didn't he? And here we've got the doctor uh, smelling the time. Well, w- one one last comment: If you guys have seen the um, title for the twelfth uh, for the twelfth episode, and I don't want to, you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, I don't want to give away a, a spoiler to it. But um, you know, that does hint that something at least is coming with the whole heaven arc, and you know how it's going to be resolved, and it may be a little tragic from you know that title but uh i'm curious to see how that's going to play out when we finally get a full episode with missy that's going to be interesting yeah I, i'm trying to look at just one title ad at a time don't know about lewis yeah i i, I did I, I did see the list it was posted on our website net. um someone had posted the list of episode titles so i i did see it though um i didn't commit it all to memory but I, I do remember towards the end there was um, – I won't give anything away, but it, there, there was a, a title that has something in the title that um, 
that refers to what we've seen so far right, in, the, in exactly. the story arc. Yeah, but but other than that, like I said, I thought it was a great episode, and I am looking forward to next week. So, all right, very good. Thank you, Kyle. As yeah. always, so it was a delight. All right, we'll you. see you guys next week. Have a good week. All right, thanks. Cheers. Yes, bye. Yeah. So now, now I lost my train of thought. I was going to. Um, oh, the, the, you know, I, I understand, you know, that scene where Clara meets the young doctor, that he's just a child. And, you know, and as a child, we may not behave as we would when we're older or such. But it did seem a little out of character that the doctor wouldn't be, you know, because the doctor has always been very curious. And it does. It, it seemed a little out of character that he would just follow. You know, even the doctor says, I don't take orders and that he would just follow, you know, her commands and just go back to bed and, and go back to sleep. And, uh, you know, it, I would think the doctor would have to get up and, and see what's going on and see who this person is. And um, he just seems a little out of character there, even as a child. Well, the, the, I, I, that's why I put it, our thoughts, he wasn't at home, they weren't his parents, because he was like a, 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 you know, a homesick boy at a boarding school. That was the way he was acting, mm-hmm. wasn't it? I, I the suppose. Child. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I love the line at the end when uh, the the doctor says, "Clara, I don't take orders," and she told him to. And and she, of course, she, you know, she had a nanny's voice, didn't she? A teacher's mm, that's voice. right. She was a nanny and, at, um, at, at one time. May, maybe something something in his subconscious remembered the voice from when he was a child. And for once, he knew that um, just like the doctor should never go to his grave, uh, he, I think he got them from her her tone mm-hmm. that what was outside the TARDIS at that particular point was something that was important to his own timeline. So he took her advice this time and didn't didn't look. Okay. And and the resolution, by the way, Carl mentioned about it was a quick resolution. In some ways, the resolution was what Clara said to him. Really, it's the doctor's afraid of the dark. Yes. Or, or, or she said, I don't know, she's a doctor or a time lord, but I, yes, she said something to that effect. Mm. All right, let's go back to uh, in our queue. It's uh, Davros1179. Welcome to the show, Davros. Eleven seventy nine. Hi, Lewis. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Dave. Nice to be here. So, what are your uh, thoughts? Good to be on with both of you. Uh, oh, yeah, it's great to have uh, you. This this epi- this episode, I thought, was absolutely fabulous. Um, the first Yay. three. <laughs> I wasn't really into the first three. Uh, the first one, I thought, um, you know, was an ex- it was an extended length episode. I thought I could have done without the extended length. Uh, I thought they overdid it. Um, the Dalek episode was it was okay. It was it was decent. Um, I thought the Robin Hood episode was it was a fun romp, but nothing more. Uh, and finally, we get to an episode that I think is written for Capaldi's Doctor. And I think the first one in the season, finally, where Capaldi was, who, when when Stephen was writing this and whoever may have assisted or whatever, finally said, hey, we've got a new actor playing the Doctor. Let's write it for this guy. And that's what it felt like watching this. The previous episodes felt like they were written more for Matt Smith's Doctor, and Peter was just kind of dropped into them. Uh, so really enjoyed it for that. I love the fact that I felt like we got more of a, a classic doctor. 
in a lot of the scenes in this one. Um, for example, I love the scene when he first brings uh, uh, Clara into the TARDIS and plugs her into the telepathic circuits. And generally, in previous uh, New Who episodes, when the Doctor uh, seemed like when he would plug in some special coordinates or have a companion uh, hold a special lever or something like that, then all of a sudden he's jumping around the console and flying levers and throwing buttons, and even the screen would shake on camera a little bit, and everything goes crazy. This time around, it was more like watching a classic episode of Who, uh, where the companion is simply asked to to uh, handle a special control on the console, and the doctor is explaining to her why she's doing it and what it's going to do. It's going to link her to the TARDIS. It's going to allow the TARDIS to ex- extrapolate coordinates of her life. And the doctor just calmly and normally as he would have in a classic episode just walks around the console and flings the other levers he needs to flick to make the TARDIS go and just the way he conducts himself the way he explains it to Clara was to me very classic who and I know in a lot of the uh, stuff that I read about season 8 and about bringing Peter Capaldi on board we were promised in a lot of articles that we were going to get more of a classic feel of who and this episode finally, to me, delivered on that promise that we got some really classic feel of a classic doctor. And I, I really, I honestly didn't even like Peter Capaldi uh, in the first three episodes. He was really disappointing me. And I now seeing him in this episode, I realize it wasn't really his acting that was disappointing me. It was the stories that he was put in. So I was really, really happy to see that. Um, I love the fact that uh, the character of Missy does not show up because mm-hmm. I'm absolutely exhausted with story arcs. Yes, and I'm tired of story arcs. I know, I know it's there, and I know we're going to see it come to a head at the season finale, just like always. But at least for this week, we didn't have to deal with it, and we just mm-hmm. got. We just got yet another taste of classic who, which is just an episode, an episode with a story in it. It had a beginning, it had a middle, it had an end, and that was it. And again, it's that's that's what classic who is all about: singular stories that are compelling, that are written well, that are acted well, and then they come to a finale, and that's it. And that was mm-hmm. that was perfect. I thought the episode was a four and a half out of five for me, and. Uh, in fact, I intend on, I've watched it twice, and I'm probably going to watch it again later on this evening. Yeah, I agree. I Can think I ask, it, it do did you have, have a any issue with his, with his accent? Sorry. No, no, go ahead. N- none at all, actually. Uh, none, none at all. Um, it reminds me kind of uh, listening to uh, Sylvester McCoy. He had a very unique accent. Yeah, both Scottish. Uh, but I, I didn't think that uh, even though a lot of people jeer about the Seventh Doctor's time, and it's it's not considered uh, Doctor Who at its finest moments, um, I still I can watch a Seventh Doctor episode, and his accent does not take away from the dialogue for me, and I have the same effect watching Peter Capaldi. His mm-hmm. accent doesn't steal away at all from the dialogue. The only thing I've thought that's kind of odd is that David Tennant had a Scottish accent, uh, his natural accent, mm-hmm. and they had him to mask that accent to play the doctor. Now we have an actor with a Scottish accent who has not been asked to mask that accent. So I wonder 
where where in where in that time frame did it change that okay it's okay to have a scottish doctor it might not have been during rtd's time with david Tennant, but now stephen moffat says we can have a scottish doctor it's okay i think at one of the uh, the cinema viewings of uh, the first story uh, i think stephen moffat in one of the question and answers uh, said that um, what you need to remember is that um, peter capaldi it has been in a lot more things before he came to Doc 2, in the thick of it and, uh, and so on, where David Tennant, uh, although he's known in the UK for Casanova, I think, Casanova was basically his only big TV outing. So, um, but Peter Capaldi is already recognised uh, as doing that. And, of course, he was when it, when it was announced, he was in uh, The Musketeers, although I don't, uh, he wasn't using his Scottish accent um, playing um, Cardinal Richelieu, but um, I think it's just because he was a more established actor and therefore uh, it would almost seem strange if he didn't use his Scottish accent where where David Tennant was coming in less well-known. I think that's what I, I heard, Lewis. I don't know about yourself. I, I didn't hear Stephen Moffat address it, but uh, what my assumption was that maybe during the Tennant years, which followed, you know, uh, was early on with Doctor coming back to television, they were still trying to build an audience, and they were trying to uh, bring it to the States and build a, um, an audience here in the States, and maybe they felt that it would be alienating. Because right now there, there are articles that are being written that U.S. are, you know, that, that people in the U.S. are having, I don't know who these people are, I haven't really gotten much feedback from people that are having trouble understanding them, but supposedly there are some that are having trouble um, you know, understanding them. I have no issue with them. So, But maybe that was the reason why they asked David Tennant to not to do it in his native Scottish accent, to be more, um, um, you know, um, I don't know, I don't want to use the term acceptable, but more... Um, Patable? I don't know. More, you know, um, less problematic for overseas audiences, maybe. I don't know. Of course, his, de his delivery is a lot slower anyway. Um, I mean, uh, if he was trying to deliver his words at the speed of some of Matt Smith's and so on, then it, it really would be an issue. But with him being, you know, uh, the actor in his mid-50s and his, his delivery, um, that perhaps compensates for for what may be an unfamiliar accent to some people. You know, sometimes I'll see an American TV show and they'll have subtitles for other, you know, other people with different American accents, you know, with uh, they, they might have a, a thick Southern accent. Really? And, oh, right. and I think, you know, they try to uh, serve to the broader, I, I don't know, it, it, it's it's one of those things that, um, that that unfortunately happens with American TV is that they they um, they they go after the, the most broadest appeal. Okay, but I, I do agree with Davros. I think um, it was um, it did have a very classic feel. The story I felt I, I even felt to some degree last the last story did too. But I think this even more so had that. Um, and, and I do feel that David, um, I'm sorry, Peter Capaldi is very much, uh, as we said in, um, earlier in this show, that he's very much filling the part and feeling comfortable in the part of the Doctor, and we're seeing him being fleshed out more as the Doctor. Okay. Thanks anyway, um, Davros. That's great. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Cheers. 
All right. Um, next in the queue is um, Price Pudding Brain. brain. Um, I'm sorry. Price it's, Pudding Brain. Yes, Price Pudding Brain. It's, it's, it's not a pudding head. You can only see that easier. <laughs> ah, I figured that was... I, I recognized the voice, and I figured it was... I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume, but I uh, figured who that was. Hey, it's hello, good. hello, Perlites from the beginning of time. <laughs> yes. Um, how are you? It's. It's. I'm doing good. I'm I, doing I better now. A lot. Um, I <laughs> was calling in with uh, reference to the. Uh, I guess the fear is your superpower. Uh, line. Uh, I noticed some Superman imagery in there. Um, the first date scenario. Uh, actually, it's the second view of the first date when Clara is describing uh, how she likes pink. She's mm. if you go back to the Superman the movie yes. from 1978, like she's sitting yes. on the opposite side of the table yes. from where Christopher Reeve says, "I like pink very much, Lois." And also at the very <laughs> beginning, I went back and looked. I hadn't noticed it in the beginning because they hadn't mentioned fear as a superpower yet. But uh, the Doctor floating above the Earth, you know, with his eyes closed in a meditative state and suddenly opening his eyes is very evocative of the. Superman Returns trailer, that famous scene where he wakes up and dives to Earth to rescue everyone. But it was just something I noticed. Yeah, it, it's a good point. I, I, it yeah. had echoes of that, because I thought the same thing when I was watching it. That um, I mean, it, it, oh, it, it, it reminded me of that scene, because originally the, 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 going back to the, what I think it was the 1978 movie with um, Christopher Reeve as Superman mm-hmm. and uh, Margot Kidder as Lois Lane and they're, they're Originally, they were doing an interview with, on the balcony, and she's behind hey, the flower. Hey, hey, not in that. Christopher Reeve is Superman. Christopher Reeve is Superman. Yes. <laughs> Nobody else is really better. Well, that's true, too. Right, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the flower planter was made out of lead, so she, she inter- in the interview, she asked, you know, what color is my, my underwear or something like that, and he couldn't see through lead. So, uh, But later on... And, and then she asks him if he has a name, and he says pink, and he's referring to her underwear, which he's yes. probably seen when she's passed the planter. Hmm. Yes. Very interesting. And she's wearing black, whereas Lois Lane was wearing white. I don't know if there's any inference there. <laughs> and also, I noticed the at the beginning, uh, the at first I thought they were going into a Doctor Who meets Doctor Young thing with the perpetual uh, companion that's a shadow and fear. It seemed very Jungian, but... Uh, that's, that's mm. pretty much all I've got. No, that's great. It's great. Uh, thanks for, for chiming in. I loved it. I love the attack eyebrows. I, I, I love the TARDIS jammed in the bedroom. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and she couldn't open the door. I love the fact love that... doctor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you like it, seeing, it, seeing the TARDIS underwater? That was great. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it's, it, it's not the first time either. I, we, that goes... Um, um, wasn't there like a Troughton episode or oh, it was Underwater Menace I don't know it's, it's the only it's, obvious one I can think I'm of trying to remember I don't remember it being I, I, I don't think it's actually happened before I don't know we'll have to get back to you on that they are that's something for people to find out yeah, yeah. yeah. brilliant well that's all for me well thank you it's, but, uh, it's great having you on the show your commentaries next week I I I, I, I should let on that that um, uh, that price pudding uh, brain and I uh, go back. We we're, we're old friends. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks thanks so much, price pudding brain. We'll hopefully you'll be back next week and um, 
have further, you know, maybe you have some further comments to make. I'll be listening if not talking. All right. Cheers. All right. All right. And- Oops. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, cut him off. I didn't mean to. That way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens more than once where there's like a slight delay. So you, you, you think they're done and then you click and, and you wind you know, they're, they're saying something else and you can't unclick what you clicked. That's why, it unfortunately, it occasionally sounds as I'm trampling all over you, love. This help Yeah, no, it's, that. yeah, it's understandable. Why does he have to sleep out here? He doesn't want the others to hear him crying. Why does he have to cry all the time? You know why. There'll be no crying in the army. Hush! Don't pretend you're not awake. We're not idiots. Come and sleep in the house. You don't have to be alone. If you can hear me, you're very welcome in the house with the other boys. I'll leave the door on the latch. Come in any time. He can't just run away crying all the time if he wants to join the army. He doesn't want to join the army, I keep telling you. Well, he's not going to the academy, is he, that boy? He'll never make a time, Lord. Sontara is perverting the course of human history. You're confusing me. Well, shut up. Shut up. What's Clara? Clara! Clara! Hello? Who's there? Hello? It's okay. Just sleep. So I hope we didn't put you to sleep. <laughs> All right. Well, no, and that, that was, of course, the reference where you said that where where Clara grabs his foot because she's afraid that he's going to discover the TARDIS. Yeah, uh, you, I mean, if the two doctors say, know what a TARDIS was as well. Because in early in this episode, that she says, "Wouldn't it be bad if you know I met myself?" And he said something like, "It would be." I, I forget the exact terminology that he used. You know, disastrous, disastrous, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, I think that was a bit foreshadowing to this scene here, you know, because uh, again, misdirection. We're, we're we're led to believe that we're rigid, that we're going to see Clara um, as as a young person, and, and obviously, um, it's not Clara. It's it's um, it's Danny who's Rupert at that time. And um, so they, again, I think there was a lot of that misdirection um, going on in this story here, but it makes it all interesting. Yeah, so um, okay. I, I, I think I'm, you know, as I said, oh, I, um, like I said, this story, you, it, it's if you have the setup to have like um, a, you know digital audio, whatever, it, it's good to kind of turn down the lights and 
turn up the volume and um, I guess it, it, this the the audio the audio track in this story is very much a character in the in the story itself and I, I think that's um, that was you know hence the title that was part of the part of the um, that was intentional and I think they did a great job there uh, I have to say that there's a scene where that that scene where he, they do meet Rupert for the first time there's crickets in the background and uh, <laughs> and. As the story um, um, progresses and we get to the point where Clara meets the doctor, I'm still hearing crickets. I'm like, they're really going overboard with the crickets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can hear myself now. <laughs> yes. And it, it turns out that um, I was not the only one that's, that was uh, watching that episode or at least uh, listening to it because outside my window there was a cricket that was uh, chirping, and it just, it was, it, it wasn't in the house, but it, it was so loud that it, it almost felt like, it, it was, must have been like either, you know, right outside the, outside of the window, or even in the air conditioner unit itself, it was, because uh, I thought it was part of the soundtrack at first, and then I said, they're really going on board with the crickets. Um, so yeah, I, I really did enjoy this, at, like I said, the first time viewing it, while I, I enjoyed it more after it was over and I was able to digest it and I kept on thinking about it. It's one of those episodes that, which I, which, which is a good thing where when it's over, you're still thinking about it and you're looking forward to seeing it again and seeing, Oh, did I, I have to see how they did this. Cause, um, you know, how, how things connected and everything. And I thought they did it. I thought they did it very well. I agree with some of the things that others have said where it had a very classic feel to it. And I, I think that's, um, I think that's where the series is going. Like I said, I really think I really enjoy the the style and the direction of this series so far. You know, I could do without the the overall story arc type of thing and Missy and all that. You know, it still hasn't played out, so maybe I'll change my mind afterwards. But um, but overall, I I did enjoy this. I I I did enjoy that it didn't go where I expected it to go, even though it might have been jarring. You know, a little at first watching it. Um, I mean, the whole thing about the, you know, exploring fear and sometimes I, I for me, um, I mean, per, I mean, it's just a matter of taste. My my favorite horror stories aren't really set out to be horror stories. I mean, like like um, like horror that comes out of the story itself, where like like, for instance, like maybe like the movie Alien um, is a good example of that, where they didn't use classic horror elements in it. It's, a, it's obviously a haunted, ha- a haunted house in space, but um, it, but it was, it came out of the storytelling itself where this, but this, this was the whole point of this was exploring fear. So, and that's perfectly fine. So I, like I said, I, I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed it more so after watching it and, and just pondering upon, upon it afterwards and, um, and seeing it the second time, I enjoyed it just as much, if not more. Well, I did enjoy it more, so I'm giving it four out of five Tardis groans. Okay, um, let me just say, um, and welcome to Jeff, the uh, Seventh Doctor. He's put four and a half out of five. Um, I think we understand why the Doctor doesn't like soldiers, although this has been inconsistent over the years. He didn't want to be in the army. Uh, I'm not seeing any other ratings in text, but I, I, I... I give it five out of five. The, to me, you've got to go back to Blink, our Day of the Doctors, as I said, to, to get something this good. It's been one of the few stories I've actually been watching and not being, uh, you know, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. I just liked it from the beginning. Uh, I think uh, a few people have said that Peter Capaldi owned the part 
uh, I mean, whether whether it was planned or not, or whether this was because the script was uh, definitely written not only with him in mind, but once he was, you know, already in the part. But, you know, um, there was no fear in terms of him holding the screen on his own. Didn't need a companion. His companion was a piece of chalk. That's going to be a great um, thing that they can rely on in future episodes if they have a companionless episode or whatever. He he can go to the, the his blackboard and he can think out aloud... Uh, Unfiltered directly to the audience, we know what he's, uh, you know, what he's, what he's thinking about, or his, his motives, his plans to some extent, and uh, I thought that was great. Um, I love the uh, the Cla- Clara again gives, uh, so I should say, uh, Jenna gave a fantastic performance again. Uh, there was enough progression without it being overcomplicated. Um, I love the fact that Clara was both the problem and the solution. And the the sort of the the circuitous route which the poor soldier uh, went through, uh, and is left with the doctor. Uh, it's also not only was it um, the way Rupert defended, uh, you know, his bedroom from attack. It may be the impetus that made him become a soldier, and it also may have been something that influenced the doctor. You know, why the doctor doesn't carry a gun, he doesn't carry a weapon. Uh, and Clara says that, you know, to the young boy. He said, uh, you know, he's, he's a broken soldier. He knows, no, he doesn't need a weapon. He's, you know, he's the leader. He doesn't need a weapon. And uh, therefore, uh, there was a lot of great things with that. Maybe a little bit of confrontation, well, not confrontation, a little bit of, uh, you know, thought to be had in, you know, whether they should have been able to go to Gallifrey or not and visit this place. But, of course, we we have here the youngest uh, appearance of a, the Time Lord, unless you include, of course, the master that we saw uh, in his mm-hmm. throwback story yeah. when he's standing in front of the, the gate. So uh, we have at least seen now contemporaneously what the the two look like and um, I love the story uh, and yeah uh, I'm just I'm not going to qualify my score five out of five for me and um, hope on my third viewing which will be for the commentary it will stay a five out of five. Oh, very good yeah um, this was uh, directed by uh, Douglas McKean- uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his McKinnon uh, he had directed uh, Cold War last Last series, the the story with the ice warriors. Uh, before that, he did uh, Power, the Power of Three, and the before that, in two uh, years before that, uh, going back to two thousand eight, was the Santarn Stratagem and Poison Sky. So, but he's directing uh, two more in this series. It seems like they they're using um, they they have a, a set of like maybe four or five directors that they they're reusing um, multiple times in in this series. I, I thought he did a good yeah. job. And Mike as far put as, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Put it. No, sorry. Uh, he's put well, a rating between one zero out of five and one out of five, maybe one out of five for Capaldi's acting. So, uh, as he said, it be fun later. So, uh, so he's Mike didn't enjoy it. Then he's giving it zero out of five. Doesn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, well, we want to hear both sides. So, I, I mean, unfortunately, Mike's not calling in, but if he did, um, we want to hear 
you know, it just, I mean, just because Dave and I may enjoy or like a certain thing doesn't mean that those that, um, that have a different point of view, you know, we, we still want to hear that as well. Well, I think, oh, well, let's, since I spoke that um, about the director, you know, we got the same director next week, let's hear a little taste of what's coming up next week. This is the bank of Carol Black Sauce. Picture the thing you want most in the universe. Decide how badly you want it. We're actually going to do it. Rob the bank. If we don't, we die. We must locate them. What is that? I don't know. Hey, not knowing. Are you hungry, boy? The bank is now open. So as I said, I probably watching this story, this episode, I would, you know, during it, I would have given it three out of five. But then after, after immediately after watching it, I think it jumped up to uh, to a four only because um, I, I started, you know, backtracking and rethinking it and um, and appreciating it more. And then watching it the second time, I appreciated it, um, you know, that much more. All right. Well, we'll be back next week Excellent. with. Um, you know, reviewing Time Heist, which is the, um, you know, the, the, the name of the next um, episode, and which will feature Miss, as we, you couldn't see it, and it wasn't, you couldn't hear it in that clip, but yeah, she's uh, featured in the teaser, so we know that she's going to be involved in next week's story. Um, if you'd like to uh, send in your feedback on this story, on, um, on, on, uh, on Listen, and, and you're not listening live anymore, and you're listening to the podcast as it goes out on demand, you can call the Podchuck Public Call Box anytime at 206-337-4699. And um, also, for uh, if you're listening to this further into the future, I know that that number does change from time to time. So as always, go to podchuck.net, podchuck.net, for um, the latest you know, just to reconfirm that phone number and go, there's a little tab on the top of the website called feedback and it will give you the, the phone number in case it does change. Um, and as always, you can send your feedback to feedback at potshock.net and uh, you could send, you know, it's, since it's an audio podcast, we prefer audio feedback, but any feedback is acceptable and uh, you can um, send it, you can use your smartphone that they just, <laughs> they just announced new smartphones, new, new iPhones coming out from Apple, but any smartphone should have a voice memo feature and you should be able to record a voice memo, uh, keep it down to maybe about three minutes or so and send it off to uh, pot, feedback at potshock.net. And you could catch Dave every every week as well on the Cultum Collective, which uh, precedes our show at 2 p.m. Um, Eastern Daylight Time. Um, and they're reviewing Doctor Who as well currently. And when Doctor Who's not on, they're, they're reviewing and doing other stuff as well. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, I know it's been a long day for you doing um, two shows back to back, and you're recording another one later on, I believe. Yep, yep, just trying to eat. Uh, at least I won't be afraid of the dark tonight, because uh, <laughs> it'll almost morning by the time I've finished. Well, uh, that's because you're recording them under the bed, so you don't. You're, you are the creature under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. All right. So I guess that's going to wrap things up here. And um, until next time, cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Would you read me a story or help me get to sleep? Sure. Once upon a time, the end. Dad skills.